are Locked On Diamondbacks, your daily Arizona Diamondbacks podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome back to the Locked On Diamondbacks podcast, a part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. You're listening to who? The always charismatic host of this podcast, Miller Thomas. I'm a multimedia journalist and I'm a graphic designer, so please go check out my website, MillerThomas24.myportfolio.com. On there, you can see all my latest work from my packages to my articles to my photos and my graphic design. For today's show, I want to talk about the last two D-backs games against the Padres. I want to talk a little Luke Weaver. And then we got the final crossover with Dan Wilson of Locked on Phillies where we discuss Gabe Kapler versus Joe Girardi. Uh, how what, what do the Phillies have to do to have a deep postseason run? What has to break right for them? So we got a whole bunch I want to talk about on today's pod. But first, join walking baseball encyclopedia Paul Francis Sullivan. Please call him Sully. Every day on Lockdown MLB for a unique look at the majors, both present and past. Featuring exciting guest interviews and routine check-ins from Lockdown MLB Network's team of local experts. Subscribe to Lockdown MLB today on the Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. Now, I want to talk about the last two D-backs games because... We didn't get a chance to talk about it on this pod yet. I've had so many pre-recorded crossovers. I've just been posting them. I mean, I really haven't had to do a live segment here in a couple of weeks. I'm kind of grateful for it because I'm working 9 to 5. But sometimes you got to come on the pod after work. You got to talk some D-backs baseball when it's pertinent. Because the D-backs, a couple days ago, the last day of August, they try to end August in a disgusting way. Remember a couple weeks ago when Tyler Gilbert made his Major League starting debut? Do you remember what happened? I know you did because it was the high point of the D-back season. Tyler Gilbert threw a no-hitter in his starting debut. Only a handful of guys can even say they did that. No one has ever thrown a no-hitter at Chase Field in a D-backs uniform. Tyler Gilbert was the first as a rookie to do it. Great stuff by him, but what did the D-backs try to do on August 31st? They try to wipe that away, erase our memory of what happened, and try to make us feel what the Padres felt on that day. I don't want to know what it feels like to be a Padres fan. Yeah, I would like to know what it feels like to make the postseason, but as I record this, Thursday night at almost 6.30 p.m., an hour before ASU football tips off, the Padres are a half game back of the wild card spot. So it's not a guarantee the Padres are even making the postseason. So I don't need to feel that feeling because I already know what it's going to feel like to not make the postseason. But the Padres almost got in the words of Neville from iCarly. They're comumpus. Comumpus? Comumpus. I believe that's the word. Come up, come up, come bumpus, come up is. Got their comumpus against the D-backs. They almost did. Blake Snell, everyone tells me this guy is boo-boo when he pitches away from his home stadium. I thought it was true. I've seen the numbers. I've seen the splits. This guy pitches like to a 10 ERA, a 9 ERA, an 8 ERA away from Petco Park. At Petco Park, he's a Cy Young candidate. He's, a, he, he's legitimately, legitimately one of the best pitchers in baseball when you know he's pitching at Petco Park. But this game was at Chase Field. I was like, this is a game the D-backs can play, spoiler, because 
there's not many teams. There's not many games. I want the D-backs to win from here on out with less than, what, 40 games left. But anytime they can play the Padres and beat them, I want that to happen. I don't want the Padres to have the satisfaction of beating the D-backs and that being the reason they get into the postseason. So I really want the D-backs to come away from this series and have two out of three wins, have a series win. If you could pull off the sweep, that's more power to you. But we were just struggling to get a hit Tuesday night against the Blake Snell. He went seven innings, 10 strikeouts, no uh, two walks allowed, no earned runs allowed as he no hit the D-backs through seven. D-backs couldn't do anything against Blake Snell. But as a story, it always is with Blake Snell. He was taking out the game, maybe a little bit too early, maybe not. But as soon as he's taken out the game in the eighth inning, David Peralta, a little bloop single, breaks the no-hitter up. That's all the D-backs needed to do. And quite frankly, even though the D-backs took the loss Tuesday night, in my book, in Miller Thomas's personal notebook, I wrote down a W because guess what? Uh, the D-backs, after seeing them get no hit through seven, I, I hadn't. I had no feeling that they were going to come back and win this game. The D-backs have had some remarkable comebacks this season, but they still usually blow it later in the game because of their bullpen. This was the game where it's too late. D-backs' sweet spot is usually that 6th, 7th inning. 8th, ninth inning, that's usually the time for the bullpen to blow it. And this was a game where, yeah, Zach Gallen wasn't really that sharp. He went six innings. He gave up three earned runs. You don't like the four walks from Zach Gallen, but the bullpen was good. Three earned runs given up to the San Diego Padres. You can live with that. But the offense wasn't able to muster up anything against Blake Snell, and they ended up taking the loss. But in my book, remember, I count it as a W because at least you didn't give the satisfaction of giving Padres fans and that ball club the no-hitter. At least you didn't give them that satisfaction. That's what we've been. That's what we're gonna hold on to as D-backs fans as we enter the offseason. We're gonna say, "Hey, it might have been a terrible year. We might have set the franchise record for most losses in a season." But guess what? Even though we were the worst version of ourselves in our franchise history, we were still good enough to throw a no hitter against the San Diego Padres. That's all that really matters to me. We need the bragging rights against Javi Pano of Locked On Padres. But other notes from this game. Zach Gallen still not looking like the the peak Zach Gallen that we know he can be. Not the sharpest Zach Gallen, but one thing I did find interesting about Zach Gallen that I think is encouraging for next season, the spin rate numbers for Zach Gallen really haven't changed month to month. I'm not really sure Zach Gallen is a guy who's used any sticky stuff in his career. Maybe he has, maybe he hasn't, but from the spin rate numbers, I wouldn't think so. In the month of April, his fastball averaged 2,400 spins per minute. In the month of August, his fastball averaged 23.29. So it definitely took a little bit of a dip, but not that much. And a lot of his other pitches have similar spin rates too from earlier in the season. So I've been kind of hesitant to look at Zach Allen's spin rate numbers to see if that's the issue with him, but it really hasn't been the issue with him. He's having more trouble putting away guys, and that, that's an entirely different issue. There's some concerns with his velocity because his fastball velocity in his last game was the lowest average on his fastball this entire season. So his spin rate in the last game was pretty close to his average, but his velocity was not. So that's the most concerning thing for me, but before last, before his most previous game, his last few starts, his his 
pitching velocity was right around average, if not slightly above average. So I'm not too concerned with that. I'm not too concerned with his velocity or spin rate. I'm just concerned with Zach Allen as a whole, just because from more of a health side, I feel like the fact that he's never really been able to find his footing this season, I'm just considering this a lost season for Zach Allen. I don't think batters are figuring him out. I I think it's just been a weird up and down season for Zach Allen. He's a lot more effective than what we've seen this year. There's just been too many games where it's like, why is Zach Allen walking four or five guys this this start? That's not normally what Zach Allen does. So I, I was surprised to see him with four walks in the last game. And I, I do think Zach Allen next season will be a lot closer to the guy we've seen in 2019 and 2020 than the guy we're seeing in 2021. Now we'll talk about yesterday's game against the San Diego Padres, but does this sound familiar? You've got one device that lets you catch the game live, another that lets you stream your favorite shows, you're watching sports highlights on your phone, and you've got your neighbor's best friend's login for the good stuff. Well, I want to tell you about a simple way to get all that entertainment you love without the hassle, and a great way to finally get your TV together. It's called Direct TV Stream, and it brings your live TV and on-demand favorites together like never before, so you can watch your favorite sports, movies, and shows all in one place. That means no more juggling remotes and no need to buy another device ever again. And the best part? There's no annual contract. So get rid of the clutter and the confusion and get your TV together with Direct TV Stream. You can learn more at directtv.com. That's Directv. Com. Compatible device required. Content varies by package. All right, all right, all right. Let's get back into the pod. Now, let's talk about yesterday's game against the San Diego Padres because guys it's been a long time since we've seen this man on the mound and he came back with a sparkle a twinkle in his eyes I'm talking about Luke Weaver Luke Weaver finally came back after a multi-month hiatus on the injured list where he could barely pitch and Luke Weaver actually comes back with a 4-11 ERA which is kind of crazy because or I guess he has a 4.11 ERA after yesterday's start because now he has one of the lower ERAs on the rotation where it felt like it wasn't really good pre-injury. But maybe things have changed for Luke Weaver because he came in to yesterday's start and he looked pretty damn good on the mound against the San Diego Padres. He was still classic Luke Weaver. He was still going mainly fastball changeup. He threw 49 fastballs, 27 changeups. But we did at least get two cutters and a curveball from Luke Weaver. And in terms of velocity, I mean, his fastball averaged 93 and a half miles per hour, which is actually the fastest it's been all season. Uh, 85 and a half on the changeup. So that looked good, too. His spin rate was a little bit lower on his fastball in yesterday's game but his spin rate on his changeup was actually a little bit above his average so maybe the sticky stuff lockdown messed up his fastball spin rate I'm not too sure that could also just be a case of him not pitching for you know two to three months so we, we still need a larger sample size on Luke Weaver to really evaluate how good he is post-injury uh how still what his ceiling is as a D-backs pitcher because we're still trying to figure out is Luke Weaver a number two or number three starter in your rotation and that's just not 
you know, any rotation. It's not like the Royals rotation. Of course, he's a number two, number three starter in like the Kansas City Royals or the Texas Rangers. No, is he a number two or three starter on a competitive team that's looking to make a deep postseason run? That's still the question with Luke Weaver. And yesterday, even though he only likes to throw two pitches, he did look like that guy. Six innings, four hits, one earned run, three strikeouts. You'd like a little bit, a few more of those, but I can't complain with how Luke Weaver pitched. This is the guy who I'm usually disappointed with when he's on the mound. You know he's got the talent. As everyone says, he's got the stuff. He's got the potential. He throws a nice fastball. He he can sit in the mid-90s with that fastball. He throws a nice mix with the changeup. He's even got a curveball if he can ever get that looking right. He, he, he's got three to four pitches that he could possibly use. He mainly goes to, but we know he has another couple pitches in his back pocket that he just doesn't feel comfortable using. And if he ever unlocks a third pitch, this is a guy who can be a number two or three starter, but we haven't seen it yet. But, but because the rotation has been giving me some optimism lately, maybe Luke Weaver only has to be the number four starter next year because Zach Allen, number one, ace. Yes, he's not... He hasn't been that good this season, but I'm throwing away this year. I've seen too much good Zach Allen to really take into account a season where he's been on and off the injury list all year. So I'm kind of throwing away this year for Zach Allen. I believe he's going to be back to elite stuff next year. Bumgarner, I don't think he's a guy like we saw in that five-star span or the guy we saw in those first seven, eight starts after the injured list. But maybe he is the guy that can pitch to a three, seven, three, eight year array and be a number two or three starter, uh, maybe closer to a number three, masquerading as the number two. Merrill Kelly as your number three, I don't hate it. Merrill Kelly started this season very slow, was getting beat up a lot, but he's an innings eater at the very least in his last a uh, couple months in baseball, he has turned it around tremendously and been one of the best pitchers on the staff. Then you make Luke Weaver your number four, still give him a chance to figure it out, still give him the opportunity to figure himself out and try to be that number two, number three starter without the pressure of actually having to do it. And then maybe Taylor Widener rounds out your rotation. Maybe they go after another starter. I'm not too sure. I don't see Tyler Gilbert making the rotation. I think Taylor Wider is probably our best bet. Maybe a J.B. Briscockis, Corbin Martin. Maybe they're finally ready to let one of those guys. Maybe a Humberto Mejia. I doubt that. So the rotation, I do believe, of Luke Weaver give us more starts like we saw last night. I don't know how possible that is, but I do have confidence that this rotation next season could be competitive and be good enough to make a wild card. Now, the rest of the team, those are question marks, but I at least believe in the rotation enough that they can be competitive for next year. And we can't talk about yesterday's game without talking about you Darvish because the D-backs have owned you Darvish in his last two starts. You Darvish is probably having nightmares about the D-backs. Two and two thirds innings pitch, five earned runs, a home run given up. You Darvish, his ERA is now above four, courtesy of the D-backs. Go look at his numbers. You Darvish has not been the same since the crackdown. He's basically, every third start is kind of giving you a clunker. I'm loving that the D-backs keep pounding the table, keep emphasizing the point that you Darvish has not been the same since the crackdown, and it's evident in his number. So the D-backs, they've been competitive. More recently in the second half of the season, the rotation is giving me optimism. We've got the return of Luke Weaver. So now this final month of baseball, I want the D-backs to play spoilers against a team like uh, against teams like the Padres, the Giants, the Dodgers. You're allowed to beat those teams. And I want to see this rotation continue to be healthy. I want to see full 
I want to see full rotations from Bumgarner, Weaver, Gallon, and Merrill Kelly without them getting hurt. I want to see a full rotation. And I want to see what young players we can put in the lineup and bullpen. September, it's all about the young players. It's all about the young, uh, it's all about letting the, the kids play, as people like to say. So it's about letting the kids play in September. It's about seeing their rotation make a couple turns healthy. And then who knows? We just want to see some positivity and some spoiler and some fun from the D-backs against some of these more competitive teams that are fighting for a playoff push. So there's still stuff to look forward to with the D-backs rotation being healthy, potential young guys in the lineup and bullpen, and the D-backs playing spoiler down the stretch. That's enough for me to keep turning on D-backs games, even though the D-backs are what? Probably going to lose 100 games on the season. So even though that might happen, I'm still turning on these D-backs games, and I'm still finding a way to make it fun and enjoyable so I can give you guys a great podcast. You'll hear our crossover with Dan Wilson of Locked On Phillies, but it's that time of year again, and all eyes are now turning to football as teams are back on the gridiron to start the football season. As always, Bet Online is your number one spot for all the pro and college football action this season. Got all the updated odds, props, and contests, including online's biggest half million dollar NFL mega contest and the world's largest $200,000 NFL survivor contest open now at Bet Online. Head to the website or use your mobile device to sign up today to receive your 100% welcome bonus. Be sure to take advantage of their opening day super promo. Make a bet on the Thursday, September 9th season opener between the Super Bowl champion Buccaneers and the Dallas Cowboys. And if you lose, your wager will be refunded up to $25 for new customers only when signing up and using promo code NFL100. Bet online is the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your favorite sports. From football, basketball, boxing, right to your favorite Vegas casino games. Don't wait and take advantage of all the great offers available for the 2021 season. Bet online, your online sportsbook experts, promo code locked on. With the ever increasing number of makes and models, it's now impossible for your local chain auto parts store to stock all the parts your car will need. Why endure often pointless or seemingly intimidating questioning and wait while the person behind the counter orders the parts on their computer, choosing the only brand their warehouse happens to carry? Save time and money when using Rock Auto. Rock Auto is a family business serving do it yourselfers for over 20 years. Rock Auto prices are always reliably low for every customer. Go to rockauto.com right now. See all the parts available for your car or truck. Right locked on in there. How did you hear about this box? So they know we sent you. Amazing selection, reliably low prices. All the parts your car will ever need. Visit rockauto.com. Let's wrap up the pod. Yeah, Bryce Harper's been a beast this year. It sounds like, uh, I guess I call you the the pessimistic Phillies fan. I guess, you know, rightfully so, the way this season has gone. So you've seen the good and the bad from the Phillies this season. You saw them start the month of August with that eight-game winning streak. You also saw them, you know, almost finish the month under 500 as well. So what has to break right for the Phillies to make the postseason and potentially have a deep postseason run? Maybe the maybe the World Series, maybe. Yeah, well, one no. step at a time, right here. Get get yeah. into October. How about start with winning the National League East before we start talking World Series? What needs to go right is the offense needs to be more consistent. I mean, you go up and down the lineup. And I I understand if they use injuries as an excuse at the end of the season, it's a joke because they've 
lucked out with health for the most part. It, it is a blow that they are without Reese Hoskins in the lineup, which was kind of a safety net for Bryce. It gets Bryce Harper to see a lot more pitches because anytime you stick, frankly, anyone else behind Bryce, sometimes you see it's Didi Gregorius or Andrew McCutcheon, whatever the case is. It's just not the same as having Reese Hoskins, who still might end the team, uh, still might end the year with the lead for home runs in this team, if not among the leaders uh, for the Phillies in home runs. He's at 27. I would venture to say that Bryce will probably surpass him and McCutcheon's at 21 too. He could even, if he picked it up here down the stretch of the season, pass him. But Reese Hoskins is going to be one of the home run leaders for the team, despite not playing the final month plus of the season. So what needs to happen is the offensive production just needs to be a lot better. The pitching has actually surprised me since the trade deadline. Like they're, da- they're down Zach Eflin, but going out and get Kyle Gibson, who's a guy the Diamondbacks mm-hmm. saw this weekend, has been a solid move in the short term short term for the Phillies. The bullpen has been much improved from what it was a season ago when it was the worst in baseball and the worst in baseball in 90 years. So I Ranger Suarez, who was a guy who you saw today, uh, didn't have his best outing of the season, but that's a guy who's been stretched out basically from a reliever to being the closer earlier in the season to now he's starting games and going deep into games. So I think the pitching has been improved. I'd still like to see more out of Aaron Nola. That guy used to get the ace label a lot here in Philadelphia. He has not been nearly that good uh, this season and just putting together good starts consistently back to back has not been something he's really been able to do. But when I look at this offense, I mean, someone other than Bryce Harper is going to have to hit consistently. And Andrew McCutcheon has had stretches of months where he's really, really good. And then he's had stretches of months where he frankly looks washed out there. JT Romuto for the contract they signed him on in the first year of a five-year contract for a 30-year-old catcher has not been good enough at the plate this season. He's dealing with some injury stuff and they're going to play him at first base more now with Reese Hoskins at, but there needs to be more consistent run production. It's what cost them in that series last week in Arizona. It's what's cost them a number of times here in the games uh, in August, in the month of August, since that eight game winning streak, they're going to need to put up runs. They're going to need to put up runs consistently and the pitching is going to need to stay how good or better that it's been if they're going to catch the Atlanta Braves because it doesn't seem like the Braves, I mean, they've slowed down a little bit, are planning on, and barring some huge September collapse, the Phillies aren't going to just back their way into the playoffs. They're going to need to win just about most or every single series they have remaining, and they're going to need to do that by swinging the bats well and scoring some runs because I don't care who you're playing, it's hard to win when you're putting up zero, one, two, even three runs a night. Yeah, Bryce Harper might need to put some extra weight on his back. I'm not too sure if the Phillies are going to make the postseason this year, but I still like this Phillies team for the short-term future. Probably just need to add a couple extra bats, like you are saying, to the lineup, get better in the bullpen. I don't think the Phillies are too far away from being a real contender in the National League, uh, especially in the NL East. I mean, we thought the Mets were going to be good. They weren't this season. They'll probably be back next year, still like the Braves. But I could see the Phillies being on par with any three of those teams. I grew up in New Jersey, so... One of my favorite stadiums to go to growing up was the Phillies Stadium. Uh, one of my favorite teams to watch. I'm be rooting for the Phillies in this last stretch bit of games, hoping to make the postseason. But, Dan, any last thoughts before we head out today? Because I know you got to jump on to your other job pretty soon. Yeah. Uh, no, I mean, the Phillies, apparently the Diamondbacks are a real thorn in their side until they figured out a way to win these three games. So I'm not necessarily upset that the Phillies are done with the Diamondbacks here this season. That was mm-hmm. – way too stressful of a seven games and to lose the first four of them was kind of ridiculous. 
But uh, my closing thoughts would be that I've said this a million times on my podcast or otherwise about this Phillies team, but like they're running out of time. I, I said what they have, they played 130 games, 66 and 64. So they have 32 games remaining. So if they like the time is now they're, they're running out of time to just sit here idle and they're consistently 500. One of my favorite things to keep track of this season is the fact that they've been 524 times. I thought they were going to blow the game today and drop the hmm. five for the 25th time. So they're painfully overpaid and mediocre and they kind of need to find a way to break out of that. And even when, when they went on the eight game winning streak, I thought they were doing that for good. And then they still found a way to kind of revert back almost like there's a magnet drawing them back to 500. So I appreciate your optimism from an outsider's perspective, but like <laughs> not that far away because it consistently feels like that. But when you're this, when you've struggled to develop talent the way the Phillies have for years and you buy a really expensive team like they have and this is still what you have to show for it like you have no one to blame but yourselves whether it's the organization the players on the field um etc for why this team isn't going to win the national league east and this division is as wide open as it's been like if they were in any other division in baseball we wouldn't even be having this conversation so that's what makes it so frustrating i managed to get through this podcast without complaining about manager joe girardi which anyone who knows me knows that usually it doesn't go by uh, a podcast doesn't go by without me <laughs> him. so i'll spare him for now i think he's been disappointing a guy who won the world series against the phillies with the yankees in new york and then he comes to philly and just has not been as strong this season so wildly disappointing two games above 500 i still tune in every day i, I have a uh, i'm a masochist of, of sorts i enjoy uh, inflicting frustration and pain upon myself watching this phillies team but i am still holding out hope not I'm not optimistic that this hope will come true, but I, I like to hold out hope that somehow they'll find a way just to get in the playoffs and end this decade drought because it's getting a little ridiculous at this point. Yeah, real quick. How does it feel to see Joe Girardi, especially juxtaposed with Gabe Kapler of the Giants, who have just turned that team into a powerhouse? Uh, it, it, it's just brutal, man. Like, yeah, I, I was one of the last Kapler supporters here in Philly because I thought the roster just was not good enough. I actually thought he sometimes dug out wins that weren't even there with teams that were far worse than the one currently. Joe Girardi just, he has oftentimes looked lost to me or put guys in situations <laughs> that just don't make any sense. And I mean, I really lost it. it just, just to give you my personal favorite <laughs> bad Girardi example, when he put Naftali Feliz in a game for the first time in four years, he's pitching in the majors to face Jesse Winker and Nick Castellanos on a high level <laughs> spot. And he allowed a grand slam than Nick Castellanos. Like I, I was ready to punch a wall. The, the guy is, it's incredible how managers like like you manage in a place like New York and the Yankees make it work. And then he leaves or he took a year off, whatever to do broadcast. And he comes out and he, I was expecting him, whether it was his value in the clubhouse for team morale or just having a feel for the game to be a lot better than it has. And I feel like every time he pulls a string, it's not the correct one. And again, I'm not putting all the blame on him. Frankly, the team, I just don't think is good enough. The offense isn't good enough for much of the season. The pitching was not good enough. And the, front office has made countless bad decisions to lead up to this point. But I have been largely unimpressed with the Joe Girardi tenure to say the least. And I would not be upset and could actually would likely advocate for the fact that he should be gone at the end of the year. If this team does not make the playoffs, because I just don't think he's been that good. I think they tried it. I don't think it's been that effective. I'm not confident that they necessarily would move on from him, but he has not helped this case in my opinion. 
Yeah, it's probably easier to manage a team in New York, too, when you got like 15 Hall of Famers on. Yeah, it's a little bit easier, right? Like, he still pressed the right buttons, though. You still have to know what you're doing to some extent. But you're right. Now he's got a 500 team, and he's literally cost them games this season. So it's wildly frustrating. That's Dan Wilson, host of Locked On Phillies. Dan, where can the D backs listeners go find you? Yeah, on Twitter at Dan underscore Wilson for the podcast at LO underscore Phillies. That's how you follow that on Twitter. And of course, you subscribe the same way I imagine you subscribe to Locked On Diamondbacks, which is on Apple, Spotify, wherever you get your podcast. Just simply type in Locked On Phillies. Yep. And for Philly fans, you can find me at Creator Thomas 24 on Twitter or just look up Locked On Diamondbacks on both Twitter and Instagram. Dan, thanks for doing this crossover today. I know we've been trying to figure out a time recently. Yeah, I'm glad but- we found the time to do it. Yeah. Yeah, so it was fun catching up with you. And if you ever need a crossover, hit me up in the future. That's it for this edition of the Locked on Dimebacks podcast. And remember, betting on the D-backs doesn't have to be a guessing game if you listen to the new Locked on Bets podcast hosted by your boy Q and handicapping expert Lee Sterling. Get daily picks, blowout specials, wrong team favorite picks, and Lee Sterling's lock of the day. Follow the Locked On Bets podcast brought to you by BetOnline.ag or wherever you get your podcasts. And as always, come back tomorrow for more Dimebacks news, coverage, and insight. And as always, stay safe, stay healthy. Don't forget to follow me on Twitter at CreatorThomas24 for my personal account or just look up Locked On Dimebacks on both Twitter and Instagram for the podcast handle. Deuces!